You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life. I'm going to talk today about Psalm 57. It says at the beginning, this is to the choir master. So this is a psalm of praise meant to be sung in worship, ultimately at least. But it is written by David, and it says, when he fled from Saul in the cave. So this is one of these stories in 1 Samuel where David is being pursued by the king of Israel. The king of Israel should be indebted to David. He should be grateful for David, and he should love David. But instead, he's believing lies about David. Lies that are demonic in some way, we're told in 1 Samuel, but also lies, what well, ultimately lies are demonic, but also lies that are just the slander of other people. And Saul's believing that about David and causing a lot of hardship for David's life. And so David says the context of this psalm in verse 4, my soul is in the midst of lions, I lie down amidst fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. You ever feel that way that... You're just sort of having to deal with people talking about you, gossiping about you, slandering you, saying things that aren't true, and you just have that feeling David has. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Now, in David's sense, that's literally because their lies are causing him to be pursued, to be killed. Their teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Just amazing how many times people's words about us do feel like swords and arrows and spears. Again, here David is saying it's quite literal, but for us, it's mostly metaphorical. It feels that way. And these are times that cause anxiety, times that cause fear, uh, insecurity. And we don't sleep at night because we feel like either with a friend or with a family member or somebody at work, we're we're being lied about. And we don't know how to get the truth out there, and people don't seem to want to know the truth. And so, in many ways, even though our life is not threatened, in some ways our life is threatened, Uh, our our well-being is threatened. Remember that David is in a cave. He's hiding for his life. So verse 1 says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. What's the most basic disposition we should come to God in? And I think that's this right here, our need for God's mercy. Remember, Jesus said that parable. There was the religious leader who was very confident in his righteousness, who came before God in prayer. And then there was the known sinner who would not even quite approach God. He just kept his head down and he said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said only one of those went away that day justified before God. That's a big deal when Jesus says this one, not that one. That this one was the one who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Not the religious guy who was confident in his own ability to come before God in prayer because he was living a pretty righteous life. Jesus said, that's not the one. That's the wrong one. The right one is, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the most basic sense of need we come before God in, is our need for his mercy. The reality of our sin that we have walked away from God's love, we have walked away from his commandments, we continue to do so in ways that perhaps we're even blind to now, but we do not deserve his love, we don't deserve his life, we don't deserve the gift of life, we depend utterly on his mercy. 
So he says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me for in you, my soul takes refuge. We've talked about this before, but the the basic position of the believer is that we are taking refuge in Christ. In Christ is the most common New Testament term to describe a believer. We are in Christ in his death. We are in Christ in his resurrection. We are in Christ in his righteousness. We are in Christ when we pray to God in his name. We come before God in Christ the same way David is praying in a cave. He's taking refuge in a cave, and he says, In you, my soul takes refuge. No doubt the imagination of taking refuge in God is the circumstance of him hiding in this cave. And the cave becomes an image for us of taking refuge in Christ. We hide in the cave of Christ. We hide in his righteousness. We hide in his death for our sin. We hide in his resurrection that is our guarantee of a resurrection to come. We hide in his standing before God. We pray in the cave of Jesus when we pray in his name. We hide in Jesus. We come before God in Jesus. We come before the Father with confidence, not in our standing like the religious leader, but we come before God dependent upon his mercy as we take refuge in Christ. He says in verse 2, I cry out, I cry out to God most high. We come before God the way Jesus prayed to the Father. He said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. When we come before God, we come before the one who is over all the universe, who's Lord over every dust, every photon, every particle in this universe, in every galaxy. We come before the one who is God most high. We come before the one who is ultimate, who is Lord over the number of hairs on our head, who is Lord over even the sparrow that falls to the ground, Jesus says. Every detail of our life and every detail everywhere in his universe, he is God most high. He says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Do you think of your life this way? That you've been given life as a gift of God because he has a purpose for you. You didn't create yourself. And you don't deserve your life. It's a gift of God. Moment by moment, your life is a gift of God's mercy and a gift of God's grace because he has a purpose for you. So when Paul was talking about King David, the one whose psalm we're reading right now, Paul was talking about him in the New Testament. So a thousand years after King David lived, he was talking about King David in, in Acts thirteen thirty six, And he said, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died and he was buried. And so, but the key there is David had fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation. Is that how you think of your life? that you're fulfilling God's purpose for your life in your generation. But it's more than that because he, David says in verse 3, he will send from heaven and save me. That there's this being saved. Of course, the whole full force of that word we know in the rest of the New Testament talks about being saved for a resurrection on a renewed earth forever. So Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight that, We've been called according to his purpose. We've been called to this eternal life according to his purpose. 
or Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.9 that he has saved us and called us not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Think about that. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Before the beginning of time, God has this purpose for your life that he has called you to and created you for according to his grace in Christ Jesus. That's why he saved you. That's why he's given you faith. He's called you not because of anything you've done, Paul says, but because of his own purpose and his grace, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's an amazing thing because before the beginning of time, God wanted you to exist in his universe because he has an eternal purpose for your life. That's why he called you. And Paul says in Romans 8, verse 31, that if God is for us, who can be against us? God has this purpose that is for us, this purpose Well, he says in verse 3, God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. That God has this purpose for your life and my life that is according to his steadfast love and faithfulness. According to his mercy in verse 1. According to his steadfast love and faithfulness in verse 3. Verse 10 says, your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. So as vast as this universe is, That's a picture, he says, of God's steadfast love. As vast as this universe is, that's a picture of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is even beyond that. It's infinite. God's steadfast love for you is even beyond the vastness of this universe. It's infinite. He will send out his infinite steadfast love and his infinite faithfulness to save you according to his purpose, according to being for you, according to his mercy, according to you taking refuge in him. So verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, above the universe. Be exalted. Let your glory be over all the earth. God is bringing us into his glory that will be over all the earth when Christ returns one day. When Christ returns and brings heaven back to earth, the earth will be filled of his faithfulness and his steadfast love and his glory. So, you know, when I go to a football game and the football team scores a touchdown and I stand up and I raise my hands up and I high five and there's a sense of the glory of that score and ultimately the glory of the win is kind of my glory. I'm sharing in the glory of the win of my team. That's a small little microcosm of what it means to live for the glory of God, that We live for the glory of the God, the most high, because his glory ultimately becomes our glory. Our steadfast love, our living in faithfulness, our living in his glorious eternal purpose of God, most high and experiencing the full life that comes from his mercy and his grace toward us in Christ Jesus, which he has purposed for us before the beginning of time. It's amazing. So there's that quote, you will not live one day shorter than God's purpose for your life. Now that's true in this generation, but you will not live one day shorter than God's eternal purpose for your life. You'll live forever because he has an eternal purpose for you in Christ Jesus. When you take refuge in him, let's do that. Let's take refuge in him 
in prayer. Just pray with me. I'll, I'll pray and try to make my prayer your prayer as a way of coming before God and taking refuge in him and finding his mercy and steadfast love and faithfulness and glory as the purpose for our own lives. Heavenly Father, the God of the universe that Jesus over and over invites to call our Father in heaven, you are my Father in heaven. You are God most high, who is also my Father, and that defines you to me and it defines me to you, that you love me. Have mercy on me. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve to even come before you right now. I come before you in Jesus, in his name. And I pray for mercy because I continually walk away from your love. I continually walk away from your purpose for my life. I continually walk away from your commandments because I want to live my own purpose for my life. I want to obey my own commandments of my own voice. I want to put confidence in my own goodness and not depend upon your mercy. Forgive me for such stupidity. Forgive my stupidity, but also it's the darkness of my heart. Forgive me for my own evil in my heart that somehow is so blind to think that my own purpose is better for my life than the love, the steadfast love and faithfulness and glory of God most high over all this universe. What in the world am I thinking? Have mercy. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. For in you, in Jesus, I take refuge. My soul takes refuge in Jesus as my righteousness. In Jesus as my refuge, my cave that I hide in. My righteousness my own death that I've already died, and so now I'm guaranteed to break through the other side just like Jesus. And as it says in Ephesians 2, to be made alive together with Christ, to be raised together with Christ, to be seated together with Christ in this confident future heavenly world. Have mercy on me because I take refuge in Jesus. I cry out to God most high, you are ultimate. Ultimate be your name in my heart. Ultimate be your name in my desires. Ultimate be your name in how I think about the purpose of my life, how I think about today, how I think about my marriage, how I think about my family, how I think about my work, my relationships. Ultimate be your name. Ultimate be your purpose for me. You will send your steadfast love and your faithfulness to save me, to, to renew me, to bring life where I've chosen death. I've chosen a, against the God who gives life. You bring life again because of your mercy. You bring life again because of your steadfast love. You bring life again because of your faithfulness that is more vast and more infinite than this entire universe. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. Your righteousness, your steadfast love beyond the heavens because you are a God who is infinite beyond this universe. But this universe is even smaller than your steadfast love for me. This entire universe is even smaller than your faithfulness to me. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Be exalted above the universe. Let your glory be over all the earth when Jesus returns one day and my resurrection body of glory on a renewed earth of glory and I will live in your glory rejoicing in your glory because your glory is my glory and I will glory in your glory because you are God most high and I will live in your steadfast love and your mercy and your faithfulness and so I bow my head to you as my king as my God as my Father in heaven, that I trust. I trust you with every detail of my life because your purpose for me is good according to your steadfast love and faithfulness and eternal, and I can trust you. I can rest in you. In spite of whatever whatever brings my life insecurity and anxiety and worry, I can rest confidently in your purpose for me it will be fulfilled. And I pray these things in the cave of Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.